Hello, PolyAm fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hello, Polyam fam, and welcome back to Talk Your Poly Off. Hi, Bella. How are you today? I'm wonderful, Monsuda. How are you? I'm great. Why are you wonderful? I don't know. I've just been really having a good day. Oh, good. Yeah, except I watched my Portland Timbers lose to the Seattle Sounders. That was not cool, but I still love them anyway. Okay, so in case you don't know, she's talking about a sports ball game. <laughs> and one team is the Portland Timbers. It's in America, it's soccer. Everywhere else in the world, it's football. But then, yes, the Portland Timbers and the Seattle Sounders. Which are not a kink club <laughs> that sound, but actually ball kicker arounders. Ball kicker arounders, that's yeah. a good technical term. Well, you know, I, I watched, I'm very educated in the sports ball. Yes. I actually just watched probably five minutes of that game. Yeah, well, yeah. So I pretty much know all there is to know about <laughs> the foot kicking ball. Yeah. But yeah. we did. We lost. Two to one. Sad face. So, so the timbers got sounded. Oh, why would you say that? <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> but yes, despite that, I'm having a good day. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. And I get to join the hordes and hordes of people later tonight playing Animal Crossing. Oh, so excited. I'm so excited. So aside from the soccer game today... Um, also, happy Mother's Day to any mother of any sort who wants to celebrate it. Even if we're a little late. Yeah. We're recording on Mother's Day. Can't help it. Saw my mom. She's really great. She gave me a bunch of Yankee candles, which I love. So that's cool. But otherwise, I had a weekend alone and I got to do some of my planner stuff, my happy planner stuff. I binged a little bit of TV. I really just had a good relaxing time. I did my nails, did a little homemade manicure. Had some me time. Took a bunch of baths. Since we don't have a hot tub, I will be getting a hot tub here shortly. It's been bath time a lot. Yes, it has. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but yeah, that was my weekend. How was your weekend? My weekend was pretty good. Yeah? Speaking of manicures. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the weekend started off, I feel like, a little bit for me and us. You and my wife and I went and got pedicures. We did. Very pretty toes. And my nails are still painted. They and will be because it's gel. They'll be painted for a while. Yeah. So I'm I'm finding something interesting, not to sidetrack here, but I think I can feel my toenails suffocating from a lack of oxygen. <laughs> You're so full of shit. <laughs> no, I totally think I can feel that. No. Yeah. So I <laughs> I think that's why I don't like having my toenails painted. Because it feels like they're suffocating. What? Yeah. No, I don't believe it. Well, you don't have to. It's my world, my reality. <laughs> and in my reality, my toes are suffocating and dying. Uh, okay. But they look nice doing it. They do. <laughs> to get back to it, though, Violet and I celebrated our 21st anniversary mm -hmm. 21st of marriage. marriage. Yeah. yeah. And a couple of days after the actual date... You know, because weekends are a thing. Right. Booked a room in Portland, had a nice giant 
whirlpool tub, jacuzzi tub, yeah, big tub, lots of water, <laughs> make a bubble. Hot water. Yeah. Not fart bubbles. No. <laughs> and we pretty much chilled there. Went over there, hung out. She loves tubs just as much as you do. Like, I have a type, apparently. <laughs> yes, you do. Her and I are very similar in a I lot like of ways. to find partners who would rather spend their entire day in a tub than hang out with me. <laughs> if I could have the PlayStation controller in my hand while soaking in the tub, I'd be great. I actually did that this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, because we down. took the PlayStation over there because the hotel cable was terrible. Probably the worst <laughs> hotel cable I've seen in over a decade. Oh, no. And we wanted something to stream. And their TVs aren't smart TVs. Yeah. So... Came back to town, grabbed the PlayStation, went back over so that we could watch like Netflix and Hulu and yeah. stuff like that. And at one point, I was definitely in the tub playing PlayStation <laughs> because it is nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd do it. So yeah, we, we did that. We got some Mongolian one night. We ate in a restaurant the other night. Isn't it you funny know, that we're excited a, about eating in restaurants these days? Yeah. We're like, yes! I am fully vaccinated, and now I'm eating in restaurants. Right. Yeah. Well, and then the the hotel actually had very good practices on distancing and sanitization. Yeah. So it didn't feel like, geez, you know, is this a bad idea? It, it was very well maintained. Nice. And that worked out pretty well. And then when we went to get Mongolian, there happened to be a sex store across the street. <laughs> And if anyone's been to Vancouver, Washington, by the mall, you know what Mongolian place and yeah. what sex store I'm talking about. Yep. At any rate. So we decided to hit the sex store just for fun, you know. Gotta do it. Because it's there. And in addition to making friends on the way in, because <laughs> I guess I do that, when we went in, we're kind of looking around, I found the coolest thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it's called the drill dough. The drill dough. Yeah, okay. It's a drill with an attachment where you can put dildo attachments onto it. Now, is it a jabby-jabby or a twisty-twisty? This one's just a twisty-twisty. I'm sure that you can get the jackhammer style. Yeah. I think I'd like the twisty-twisty better. Well, you'll find out. Yeah. Do we want to record? We could do like a like a typo after dark on our Patreon and do a review of the drildo. An in-process review? No. Not like <laughs> porn. But like, oh yeah, this was nice. Or, oh no, that was not cool. Yeah, we could do that. That would right. be fun. So yeah, join our Patreon for an After Dark special. So it's really cool that we're talking about this because I think that what we should discuss today or what we've talked about discussing today is equitable management in relationships when it comes to time. Yeah, well, I mean, time management in general for the world of polyamory is always a big discussion, right? After communication, people always talk about how do you manage multiple partners? Yeah. And everyone's go-to is Google calendars. Right. But there's more to it, and we want to incorporate, you know, the difference between equally sharing time and equitably sharing time. Right. And if someone's listening to you and I talk... They might be thinking, what's the difference between equal and equitable? Yeah. I don't suppose you could help out here. I've, so I've got a couple definitions here when it comes to equality and equity in relationships. So equality is where each person is given the same resources and opportunity. Equally across the board, every person in the relationship is given the same resources and opportunities. 
equity recognizes that each person has different circumstances. So it allocates resources and opportunities needed to reach equal outcomes. Even if it means in one relationship, you're putting more in another relationship, you're getting more back from. Yeah. But in the long run, it feels more equal. For it everybody. feels more fair based on people's circumstances and needs. And if we just give an example real quick here, let's say you've got partner A and B. Partner A likes to have more alone time. Partner B is what some people might say is more clingy. They want more. They're a little needier with time, right? Right. Um, quality time together is a huge thing for them. You might not give partner A a bunch of time because they don't want it, but you're going to give a crap ton of time to partner B because that's what they need. Both partners are going to feel fulfilled and you're going to have that fair outcome with different equitable time needs. Right. Versus one of the things that I feel like I did very wrong earlier in my polyamorous journey. Mm hmm was trying to create an absolute equal time need yeah, and allocating, okay, so I've got these partners, you're going to get these days and you're going to get these days and you're going to get these days and I've done the mathematics and you're getting exactly seven hours mm -hmm. and you're getting exactly seven hours. I remember some of those conversations early on in our dating yeah, where I would be upset about something and you're like, no, but look, the hours and the time are exactly the same. Well, and that's <laughs> how my brain works a lot of the time. It's, yeah. It's frustrating because logically it makes sense. Yeah. Emotionally, it does not. Right. And sometimes I I default to logic and forget that emotion needs to be included. And you've got highly emotional partners. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. It but works well. <laughs> it, oh, it works so well. So in, in a lot of my earlier times, I would try to make sure that if I have three partners... Each one gets two days a week, and in the, the seventh day, I get my own free time, or maybe it's a bonus day where we all hang out, or something like right. that. And then it doesn't take into account the different variations that each relationship has, which might increase or diminish the amount of time necessary or given. Right. Again, now looking at relationships specifically when it comes to equality and equity, there is something called equity theory. And that's basically where one partner's benefits minus the cost should equal another partner's benefits minus their cost. So benefits are what I'm getting out of a relationship, what I'm getting in return, right? I'm happy and healthy and feel challenged and loved and all these great benefits from my relationship. And what I'm putting in is, you know, the support and the work and the effort and whatnot. How I feel that balances should equal another person's benefits minus cost. The number of benefits and costs, they're not going to be, and rewards, right? Benefits or rewards. The number of them isn't going to be equal because right. everyone's a little bit different. But if it balances, then things feel more fair. Yeah, yeah. Basically, if, if a person in a relationship ends up feeling like they're getting more benefits, more rewards, like, oh man, he treats me so well and I don't do jack shit for him. So it feels unbalanced and I'm getting more rewards and benefits from it. That can cause you to feel guilt and shame in the relationship. Like, oh, I don't deserve this. I shouldn't be getting this, you know, and whatnot. Now, if I'm putting more into a relationship that I'm getting back, that can cause some anger and resentfulness in the relationship. And I think this can be said for metas as well. I agree 100%. So let's talk about 
the idea of scheduling and calendars when it comes to time equity. Okay. When I think about this, because I think that this is an important aspect of building equitable relationship feelings. Yeah. I want to default back to my earlier example where I felt like partner A needed exactly the same amount of time as B, C, D, and E. Right. That's a lot of partners. Sometimes. (laughs) And it's kind of a simplified thing if I'm to think about it. Like when I was working this before, when I was learning how to better handle with my partners, Mm -hmm. I felt like logically three partners, two days each equals six days. That's simple. It's easy. I think the problem is, is it becomes too simple and it doesn't take into account certain things that are very important. It's just not very flexible. Right. Well, even if it was flexible, like you're going to get Monday and Wednesday or Monday and Thursday and then, you know, alternate like that. Where it doesn't become practical, in my view, is who gets the weekend day. Right. You know, you're going to have to start setting up a whole schedule of rotating who gets the weekend day and that sort of thing. And then what if an event comes up and it throws off the schedule and, well, I just had a weekend. I don't feel like I can ask for this following weekend as well. Yeah. Yeah. So someone's going to get a weekend day and then a couple other people are probably not, or maybe two get a weekend day, but a third one does not. The other, the other factor is during that weekend day. The reason why I think it's important is because theoretically Saturday is my day. Right. So if you have three partners and I get the Saturday, then I get the whole Saturday. Like when we wake up mm-hmm. to when we go to bed, that's my day. Well, when you're working a nine to five job Monday to Friday, the person who got Monday or even Friday doesn't get the whole day. Right. You know, you're going to spend nine to 10 hours a day, you know, of commuting or whatever away from your partners. And then so that person really only gets a part of a day. I don't even want to say half a day. Well, I remember doing this back when you, me, and Violet were all living together. I remember us splitting hairs on hours. Yeah. And at the time, I mean, in the very beginning, Violet and I struggled because we were both feeling like we wanted more of your time and we weren't getting enough time. And so then it became a discussion on, well, you know, you get him you know, five hours after work and you get him for eight hours on the Saturday or whatever. Exactly. And then it's like, yeah, but half that Saturday is spent doing household chores and it's not that quality time. And it turned into a lot of the like the nitpicking about specific hours. What are you doing and how much quality is that time? And looking back, it's funny because now that we're out of that NRE stage, I'm like, no, you go spend time with Violet. Let me fiddle around on my computer or my Nintendo or something. Go, go have fun. Get out of my hair. I'm so glad that you want to get rid of me (laughs) all the time. It also makes me miss you. Listen back to the last few episodes (laughs) and you guys will start seeing this trend where Bella just cannot stand to be around me and is dying to be away from me. Okay, can we just say I've been off work for five weeks now and you've been home from work for like five weeks now? So combine that with COVID time, we are around each other 24-7 a lot. And I love you, but sometimes a break is good. I understand. So that's when I love when Violet wants time because now I'm like, yes! Yes! No, I totally get it, and I fully support you. Just go ahead and kick rocks. <laughs> Lick rust. 
But yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about, is that it gets to this point when you're trying to create equality of time, mm-hmm. where you start having almost a competition, and you start trying to hash it out yeah. to a point to where, well, you got them 12 minutes more than I did this week, <laughs> so I need 12 minutes reclaimed. Right. Yeah. It got a little bit crazy. <laughs> right. And it it has historically done that, and I think that a lot of people... When they're trying to figure out how to create an equality of time, do also feel that. Yeah. And this isn't even talking about relationship hierarchy in the sense of this is my primary partner, this is my secondary partner. If we throw relationship hierarchy out the window, mm-hmm. which a lot of people want to do, yep. it isn't even about who's primary, who's secondary. It also comes down to who do you live with? Yeah. Who do you have to spend the time managing bills with? Versus who you don't live with that you get to see on a regular basis. Well, and we can get into a whole other episode on hierarchy and descriptive hierarchy versus prescriptive hierarchy. There's multiple types and we can do a whole other episode on that. But when we talk about equitable time, so we've talked about equality of time, equitable time between partners, I think takes that stuff into account. The living together, the paying bills, the raising kids, that kind of a thing, because Someone who needs to sit down with you to pay the bills or you've got a kid going to choir practice or things like that are going to require more of your time than someone who's perhaps practicing solo poly and is like, look, I've got five other partners. I'm okay if you need to go do choir practice. Right. And that's another thing entirely is kids. Yep. Taking care of your kids, obviously, that should be if you're going to have any primary relationship, of course, that would be the The one. Yep. So, and that doesn't necessarily mean that the other parent or the other designated parent even is going to get priority. But if, if you and your partner have this child together Mm -hmm. and you both as parents go to that function, then you get that question. Does that mean that I just got quality time with that partner? Or does that mean that my partner and I spent quality time with our child? And, And is there a difference and how can your other partners work feelings around that because i think that's another big thing that needs to happen is communication if you as a partner feel like you're meta and you're a partner so if you feel like violet and i Mm -hmm. as partners are spending too much time together going to children's functions then you're going to build that resentment that you talked about earlier and that's where that communication needs to happen well i think that's a big conversation that should happen early or before a relationship is embarked upon I mean, if I know, let's say I know I'm a needy time person, right? Mm-hmm. I need lots of my partner's time. I need them to almost be available on call because my emotions are crazy and I just rely really heavily on my partner. That's a discussion to be had on like date one. If you're trying to get to know each other and you're like, hey, I know this about me. What kind of time do you have available for a new partner? Mm-hmm. Are you open to adjusting schedules and times? And those big questions and part of that communication, I think, needs to happen early as far as equitable time and your wants and needs. Well, and then that brings us into another aspect of this, the new relationship energy. Ah, uh, Yes. Floating on NRE. Yeah. If you had these kind of conversations before, as you say, embarking (laughs) on a new relationship, then you're going to be able to learn how to develop 
the equitable time in a sense that helps foster that new relationship energy because that's an important part of a relationship, I think. Yeah, but without letting it get out of control. But without letting it get out of control. So if you and your potential new partner could have some of these conversations, learn how and where to adjust, you can have these with the partner that you have mature relationship energy Mm -hmm. with and try to find a ground where you can explore your NRE, but you're also not neglecting Your MRE, your mature relationship. Well, and if you keep checking in with your relationships too, as they grow and develop over the years, their time needs may change like Mm -hmm. mine did. When we were deep in NRE and we were unprepared for it, we were like, you could not separate us. We were, all we wanted was to be near each other and to touch each other and our hands. And look at where that's come. Bella's trying to get rid of him. I keep pushing him out the door. Is there anybody who wants to date him? He's got some time. It's fine. I don't need a wingman here. <laughs> I but do I'm appreciate saying, it. <laughs> I'm saying there's a difference between four years ago and now and how we've had to revisit these conversations. I guess that wasn't even a wingman thing. No, that was more like I was your pimp. trying to put me up for adoption. <laughs> it's Does fine. anyone want to foster Monsado? He's got a new drill dough. It'll be fun. <laughs> At any rate, all humor aside. <laughs> I don't know about that. Hopefully. <laughs> this is also another big aspect because... New relationship energy, mature relationship energy, both will bring different aspects of time management Mm -hmm. to the table. Just because you've been with someone 20 years doesn't mean that you're so solid that you can start forgetting or neglecting. And whether you're polyamorous, ethically non-monogamous, monogamous, I mean, you still want to create that time for your partner Because even if there's not another partner involved, there's still a need to create equitable relationship time for each other. Yes. Now, question. Answer. How does that work in when you've got a long-distance relationship? See, and that's actually a really great question. Because this is another excellent example on how trying to keep it as simple as possible for equality doesn't work. Because in a scenario where I'm dating you, I have a wife. I have a long-distance partner now. I mean, hypothetically. Yeah. Not, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But I have been in this situation. Yeah. That long-distance partner is going to have much more limited access to me. Yeah. Or if I'm a long-distance partner, obviously I'm going to have much more limited access to my long-distance partner. And so trying to manage time around when long-distance partners can get together creates the equity needed to make that relationship thrive. And if you're you're trying to say, hey, I know that we can only see each other one day a week or three days a month because of our distance, it's a whole lot harder to say, okay, you only get me on the 19th to the 21st. Right. That could fall on a weekend. That could fall on a weekday. That could be someone's birthday. That could be someone's funeral. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's way too rigid to allow for the space to build of that relationship. Right. So with a long-distance partnership... Because of the limited time, my experience and how I prefer to handle it is when I'm working with my long-distance partner to try to get time together, Mm -hmm. sure, I want to look at the calendar, look at the scheduling, talk to the partners who are not long-distance, see what kind of stuff is on the board, 
and then talk to my long distance partner, as long as I'm seeing chunks of time saying, okay, I've got these opportunities. Right. What do you have that matches and how can we get together? Now, once I get some stuff solidified, then I've got to keep that solidified. Right. Because then there's extra time and extra travel and extra commitment that goes into trying to make sure that this long distance relationship can actually work. Now, another struggle that we had early on when you did have a long distance partner who was traveling was some envy stuff. I know on my side of things, she'd come into town and be there for a few days, Mm -hmm. you know, once a month or something like that. And for those few days, you were so checked out from every, from all of us because you were so focused on the long distance partner. Right. Now, looking back, I can be like, yeah, that totally makes sense. They don't get a lot of time. But back then I'd be like, man, like... All your time is together, and can't we do dinner as a group, or can't we do board games together? And you're like, well, yeah, but I want to make sure that my long-distance partner is getting the uninterrupted quality me time that they need. I remember that, and I'd sometimes get pretty frustrated at that, because I'm developing my relationship with this partner, not all of us. Well, and it it was hard because you'd come back with... You know, she doesn't get me all the time like you get me all the time. Be like, yeah, I get you all the time, but we're doing dishes and we're running errands and we're paying bills. And trying to find that equity. Right. So we were trying to find where our quality time was because at the time for me, it was feeling like she just got 72 hours of uninterrupted time. I don't get 72 hours in a month uninterrupted. Well, and the reason why, <laughs> the reason why, and this is a very great way of showing, is that if we get to see each other once every other month, or I, I guess at a point it was almost once a month. Yeah. But she only gets three solid days. Because we're going to have that time together, I want to commit as much time as possible to someone I'm not going to see again for another month. I'm going to see for three solid days, once a month. That means that the rest of the month, I have more available time. Now, granted, with long distance, it's not just, hey, I'll be in town tomorrow for three days, and then we don't talk after that for three weeks or whatever. Obviously, there's communication back and forth, but when you're dating and polyamorous, you're still going to have that no matter what, whether you have long distance partners or not. But that's when, like what I was saying, is when I want to block off time for that partner, I want to make sure that my partner, who is long distance, gets as much time as possible because that's what our relationship is. Right. And if through the relationship, yeah, we can find more time to bring in another, um, her meta or, you know, the long distance's meta for game time or dinner or whatever, cool. But that relationship between the two people, I feel is paramount. Absolutely. And three years later, I can look back on it and be like, oh yeah, I was being a little selfish with time back then. Yeah, a little bit. Eh, whatever. But (laughs) we all grow. (laughs) We have to go through these experiences to learn and grow and change and adapt. I'm growing right now. And then for the rest of the time of that month, that's when you want to make sure, okay, so I've blocked this time out for this partner. I don't want my other partners to feel like they're being neglected or whatever. So then I'm going to schedule different times and different availabilities and different dates so that everyone's feeling like they're getting their rewards for their costs. Right. And if the long distance partner, in order to feel solid in the relationship and feel like she was getting her rewards in it, three solid days might have been what she needed. Well, after that was over, maybe all I needed was one great date night, right? Yeah. Dress up, dinner, activity, go out, 
super hot sex, have a good time, but maybe your other partner wanted two or three dates coming off of that. Right. And it's exactly this kind of discussion that allows each relationship to be able to grow more. Yeah. You know, when I'm thinking about when I'm partnered with you and when I'm partnered with Violet or when I'm partnered with a long-distance partner or what have you, mm -hmm. I'm trying to grow each individual relationship in a way that each individual partner feels that benefit or that reward. Yeah. But then you're talking about wanting to feel as a meta like you're involved or a part of it, or maybe you want to also work on some of the friendship that goes between the meta. I'm definitely in a place where I value the meta's relationship. I want time, especially when it's a long distance partner, right? Long distance partner comes in and you and your partner get to text and talk all the time, but I don't have a bond with that meta until they come in person and we can experience and share some things together. Then it makes it easier to text later on. So without those in-person experiences, it's a little tougher for me to build a meta relationship. And I understand not everyone wants a relationship with their meta and that's fine. Everyone in our circle who we've dated has been consenting adults in wanting meta relationships. Almost. So this wasn't, yeah. This wasn't me forcing a meta relationship on someone. It was just not feeling connected because we never got time together because you guys were so focused on each other when they would visit. Right. And I think that the next part of this conversation should also be about meta relationships in a couple of different scenarios as that example. Yeah. And then you and Violet have been growing much closer and it's taken a while for you to to learn to really bond in yeah. the way that you're bonding and honestly i think it's because we're so similar we like yes. re rebounded off each other for a little bit <laughs> similar yet different because it's yeah. strange you guys talk about being similar and then you two start talking about how you're similar and i'm like oh <laughs> that's when it's always funny where you're dating people that you think are totally different yeah and then you get stereotyped as having a type. Yeah. But this is a whole different conversation. <laughs> but yeah. But watching you two build your friendship in a way that I haven't seen in four years mm -hmm. has been really a joy for me as the point in the open V. Yeah. And watching the growth between the ends of the V. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and it's funny too, because now like I'm working on getting a hot tub. And the first person I'm calling when that hot tub is up and running is Violet. Right. Come on over. We're going to check this out. Yeah. You know, not, oh, Daddy Joshua, but, you know. Well, I'll be there anyway, so I don't You care. live here, so you'll be there, so that's fine. But the first person I know who will enjoy this as much as I will is Violet. So yeah. back in the day, it wasn't like that. And the position where we're at now, it's just a different split of that equitable versus equal time. Right. And I think we're handling you as the hinge better as the metas. I would like to think that some of that is due to the fact that I'm learning equitable rather than equality. Yes. You're also no longer advocating so much for the relationship to happen. You're just kind of letting us do our thing. So we're finding our way naturally. Right, right. And that's another example. However, each of those examples pretty much illustrates a V. Yeah. Let's talk about equity and equality in relationships when it comes to maybe not even a quad, but four people in a relationship. You have a partner. Mm -hmm. I have a different partner. You and I are partnered. Right. That's going to create additional 
time constraints or scheduling conflicts. Yeah. You know, and then if you're if you're adding that, throw in a fifth partner in the mix somewhere. Well, and then other metas, right? If I've got a partner who also lives with and has another partner, then the amount of time that they want or need or desire out of me may vary from what you want, need, and desire because you and I nest and live together. Right. They might only want to, even though they're in town and local, not long distance, they still might only want to see me once a week. Whereas you and I are like, okay, well, we spend most of our days together, but that's still going to feel fair because it's what fits everyone's needs. Right. And then it might be one of those things where you and I have scheduled date nights on a Tuesday night. Mm Mm-hmm. But then three months into your relationship with this other person, they really want to see you on a Tuesday night. This is one of the times where you're going to need to check your schedule with your partners. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is still kind of talking about an open V. Yeah. If I didn't have another partner, I'd be like, yeah, I can totally switch a Tuesday night or whatever. But if I have another partner, they, they want a Tuesday night and your only next available night is Thursday. Right. But my nights are normally Thursday with Violet, Mm -hmm. as this example might bring us. So then it comes to you being part of, I guess it's an (laughs) in-configuration, where you need to determine, can you sacrifice a Tuesday with me in order to indulge in the Tuesday with this other partner? Yeah. Knowing that you're not going to get that Thursday because I'm not willing to sacrifice that Thursday with Violet to give that to you. Right. And that's that's where we start building spider webs. And that's where <laughs> things start getting a little convoluted. And totally quality of time based on set block schedules obviously is not going to work. Right. Now, totally a little off topic here with that. When it comes to that and scheduling, what are your tips and pointers? Like if you've got two partners and your partners have partners and it starts getting a little extended. Do you then like in the past we've created group chats for everyone in the polycule. Yeah. Do you think a group chat is the way to go or do you think it's more partner to partner communication and then how, how to figure out the schedule? Like do you add everyone on a Google calendar and you can see everyone's calendars? Right. Okay. What's the next step? I personally advocate for group chats. As long as everyone's consenting to have these conversations in front of everyone else. Right. I personally advocate for that because then you're not playing the middleman. Yeah. And getting the wrong information or forgetting, you know, whatever that case I, I talked be. to the other partner, but I thought I talked to you about this. Yeah. And anyone who has been in <laughs> ethical, non-monogamous relationships for a long amount of time, chances are you've done that. <laughs> and it always sucks. So, yes, I would advocate for group chats when and where is available. Yeah. And along with everyone's consent. And of course, it's more about plans, not so-and-so and I are having a problem, and so right. we're going to hash this out in the group chat. Right. And then the, the personal one-on-one problems, those need to be dealt with one-on-one. Right. right. Like, we don't need to drag the whole polycule into it because we don't need to be living a daytime soap opera. <laughs> right. So I would advocate for that. And then also, that's when a KTT is important. For those who are new, that's our kitchen table talk. That's where we all come together at a table and sit down and discuss our day or our week or our month, our schedules, our finances, whatever it is that we need to discuss to make sure the polycule keeps running smoothly. So a KTT, a group chat. I'm also just a big advocate for double checking on plans. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes the way people 
communicate and you're like, wait, did we set the plans in stone or was this just a hypothetical? We're kind of sort of talking about this, right. but it's not really set yet. Like double check. Be like, okay, so as far as I understand this week, you and I have a date night on Tuesday and Thursday. Is that what you've got? Oh, okay, cool. So are we meeting there or are you picking me up? Like it's, we all talk about communication and it's okay to kind of over communicate when it comes to plans, when there's so many other people involved. Well, and especially when you have a planning bureaucrat <laughs> dating a planning art anarchist. Yes. Yeah. That, that doesn't work out well. I got Google calendar going. I got wall calendars going. I've got happy planners going. <laughs> Desk calendar. Yeah. You got a calendar for calendars. A whiteboard calendar. Yeah. It's fun. So to kind of also go back to your question, in addition to like, how do you want to communicate that? I feel like you asked, how do you manage when there's multiple partners and metamors involved? And when it comes down to it, I think about for me, I'm thinking about my partners. Mm -hmm. It's not my responsibility to think about my metamors. Right. I want to, and I'm compassionate and I do think about them, but not when it comes to planning. My partner also needs to think about their partners. Right. And so if they have something going on with another one of their partners, my metamor, then that information they know about, I don't. Right. It's their that's, responsibility to give it to That's why I say it's their responsibility. Yeah. I don't know their plans. So to assume that I'm going to be responsible for that is kind of bad planning. Right. So I think about my partners, and I try to think about it, and this might not be the greatest idea, and some people might give me shit for it. It just works for but us. But this is what's working for me. Yeah. I have a live-in partner. Mm -hmm. I have a partner who I don't live with, maybe two or three at this point. And then I might have one, two, or three long-distance partners. Yeah. Let's try to make it as complicated as possible. <laughs> it's going to sound a little shitty. Going back to what I talked about with the long-distance partner, if I have limited time with you and I have to make greater commitments to be able to see you in time and travel and all of that, then when we want to plan something, I'm going to try to make sure that that planning comes first. Right. Not that that partner always gets priority, but because that's the most work that needs to go into it. And I'm the kind of person that likes to do as much work up front so that the longer out you get the to the deadline. Yeah the less work you have to put into yeah, it. Yeah, and that's where this comes from. This is not a preference or a hierarchy thing. But I want to try to make sure that the long-distance partner or partners are going to be able to have something they can count on. Yeah. Because if we plan this three weeks in advance, you know, whether you're driving three hours or flying across the country, you need to make plans to do this trip. Yep. Or I need to make plans to do this trip. Well, and then it's fun, too, as in, as a partner in it, to be able to look forward to it. Yeah. I got a three-week countdown till I get to go see my partner. Yeah. Yeah. So then it goes to who's in town and who do I live with? Now, you and I, living together, we kind of see the whole calendar. Right. So I get to plug and play the time with other people in the way that I know your schedules and that sort of thing. So the person living in town wants to do a special thing. I can just check with you by tapping you on the shoulder. Hey, <laughs> are we doing anything on this day? Right. And it's easy enough for us to communicate right here in this instant so that I can go to this person and say, well, we're not doing anything this day. Let's schedule this time in this place. Yeah. So as much as I hate to say it, I kind of put the emphasis on planning commitments higher 
the further out you it go. It almost sounds like reverse hierarchy. Maybe honestly. a little bit. Because you and I, it could be 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night, and you suddenly are like, hey, I want to check out this new arcade that just opened yeah. up. Can we do that sometime soon? And that's immediate communication versus having to make phone calls or making text messages or emails or, you know, the stuff that takes further work and further planning. Yeah. So it goes back to that cost and rewards thing for me. No, I mean, it makes sense, at least in this moment. <laughs> Ask me down the line when I'm lowest man on the totem pole for plans how I feel. And it might be different then. <laughs> and what you're talking about with being the lowest person on the totem pole, <laughs> that's when in this scenario where I'm talking about my time management with multiple partners, you're my live-in partner. I don't ever want to make you feel like the lowest person on the totem pole. So it's my responsibility to make sure that when you and I are planning stuff, that we are trying to make sure to actively and consciously plan things together to help you find that reward on your cost. Right. And your cost is letting other people plan. Right, because you know. I live here, it's easy to yeah. plan me. It's not that that I'm the lowest man on the totem. It's that the the level of ease for planning. And that's and I, how I go. I get yeah. it. I totally understand that. It's still one of those like, okay, are you done planning with other people before you talk to me? Like, <laughs> I could see how it would go that way. And I'm sure that's how it sounds, right? If you're if you're listening and I'm talking about how you live with me, you're, you're fucking chopped liver. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that person is across the country. They are way more important than you because I see them once a year. Right. right? It's definitely not the case. It really just boils down to the ease of communication and the ease of being able to plan. Well, let's take this to a whole nother level and add oh, some more complication to it. All right. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's oh. talk about the bedroom. I thought you were going to ask if you were going to take a partner to go look for Bigfoot. What? How would you plan which partner that would that would go? All of them. I need protection. <laughs> They're all coming with me. Okay, so the bedroom with Bigfoot. No. Oh, no. No. But I'm on track. Let's okay. go. Okay. So I'm thinking equity versus equality, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, I had sexy time with this partner. Now I need to have sexy time with this partner. But then sometimes, sometimes some of us people aren't in sexy moods. Right. So I may not need as much sexy time as someone whose sex drive is way through the roof right now. Right. So it's finding, again, what works for each individual person versus dishing it out. This is going to sound so crude, but it's like, yeah, I just had this time over here. Now it's your turn. You know, like, no, no. <laughs> yes, it does sound crude, but I also understand exactly where you're going. <laughs> and whereas planning time with people is one thing planning sex with them is a different and that would go toward the sex level of your partners right i would think right if i obviously if i don't want to i don't want to plan it but if i was interested in being sexual with any or all of my partners mm -hmm. it's not a matter of one for you and one for you <laughs> and one for you <laughs> As much as that seems easiest, yeah. you know, you, you might be dating someone who is demisexual and doesn't have a, a sex drive that matches yours. Or ace or, or gray, someone who or is they just don't. asexual. Yeah. But let's just assume that all partners do have some kind of a sex drive. Yeah. One of the things that I do have a more difficult time is 
planning around sex because one of the things that makes sex exciting for me is when it feels more spontaneous. Right. And when it feels planned out and you're like, well, I can pencil you in between <laughs> 8.15 and 8.35. But I pass out to sleep at 8.45. So. Right. <laughs> then that takes away from that special feeling of this person and I are feeling so much of a love spark. Right. That we're just going to catch fire right here. Love spark. Yeah. Yeah, it's cute. Mm-hmm. So I personally have a difficult time planning that. Well, I'm not just talking about planning, so to speak. I'm rationing. 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 Yeah. Or like dishing it out in equal, you know, because we're talking about equality versus equity, feeling like if she got one, then she gets one. And then if so. Well, I think that isn't even so much as a conversation about. You know, I have a bag of M&M's, and you get a green M&M, you get a green M&M, you get a green M&M, you get a red one, you get a red one. <laughs> right. You know, it, it's not, if you try to equal that out there, then you're also coming into a lot of different variables. What level of kink is this person mm-hmm. interested in, if at all? Are the adult clubs open because I love them and I really want to go back? Right. And then if if you have a partnership that also has kids, then are you even going to find the time? To get alone with your partner right. to be able to do these things. That's actually something where you could ask one of your other partners or, you mm-hmm. know, a metamorph, hey, we would like some time to be able to explore each other. Well, and if you've got a would partner... Would anyone care to babysit? Yes. If you've got a partner that's more shy and maybe a bit more timid and they come over, but me as the meta, I live here and I'm home and my bedroom's next door. Maybe right. they don't want to be heard. So then scheduling has to take place where it's like... Maybe you want to watch TV in the living room really loud for a while, you know, so that way we have some space kind of a thing. But it's just remembering that whether you're whatever side of the partnership you're on, maybe you've got a meta coming over or maybe you're the hinge of a V type situation. That sexy time isn't always going to be equal. It comes back to what each partner needs out of the sexy relationship. Right. And on that. If we're talking about trying to ration out the M and M's, you don't want to create the comparison game because then that's another thing that starts building resentment. Comparison's always bad. I feel like they always have more sex, and then you quietly sit and dwell in that. Yeah, that's when conversations definitely need to happen. Probably before that, obviously. If you're feeling like you're not getting enough physical or sexual intimacy in your relationship. That's got to be a conversation that's had right away. The longer you hold on to it and stew on it, the more resentment builds and it's harder to come back from. And and it can't be based on, well, how much is my metamorph getting? Because that's not fair. Right. It's it's your needs, not your meta's needs. Right. And it's not a race. Right. You know, unless you guys want to make it a race. I mean, that's And that's been awesome too, (laughs) you know. But in this kind of a scenario, I think with sex... I would bring that way down to the one-on-one level. Yeah. You know, and have those conversations. And when your needs are not being met, have that conversation to learn why. And I mean, this I feel like this is yet another different full-on episode. Right. And we are running low on time. And I've got dinner that I've spent all afternoon cooking. I'm dying to eat. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like if there's a quick and simple resolution to your question, have we already achieved that? Have we touched bases on all the sexy time questioning that we were talking about? Yeah, I believe so. I think really to wrap up this whole conversation, it's just remembering that equity and equality are different. It's not even a matter of just sex. 
if you take the analogy of the M&M rationing and you put that to every aspect of your relationships, then it's not a matter of rationing out to make sure that everyone gets an equal share of red, green, yellow, brown, blue M&Ms. It's a matter of who wants M&Ms and who doesn't. Right. So we're talking about every person has different circumstances, which changes the equity. Yeah. And if you're using your M&M example, I just had weight loss surgery. I don't want shit for your M&Ms. Right. And if I did want your M&Ms, I'd want them to be all purple. Right. And but then, right now, like, Violet doesn't even like chocolate, so she'd also pass on me. Yeah. I'm just going to have a bag of M&Ms all by myself. Yeah. I mean, you could throw them at long distance. See if oh, they can yeah. get there. Slingshot them. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just using your M&M thing. Yeah. You know, if you're giving partner C two M&Ms, and I'm like, I don't want any M&Ms, but I still feel fairly split on time. Mm-hmm. That's what matters is, yeah. is the, the feeling of balance. Yeah. It doesn't have to be each individual numbered item. Exactly. So hopefully this wasn't too confusing and we maybe enlightened you a little bit on equity versus equality. Well, you know, and it's funny. I mean, I've got a quick thing. I don't know. Last week I was doing some work for our podcast and happened across a review on what's now, I think, an archived board. Yeah. But I saw the review and they were talking about how we pretty much just spitball what we do and... (laughs) It's more of a discussion. Off the and, cuff. Yeah, and less of a education. Yeah. And I think about that, and then I think about this episode, because I almost felt like that for a minute. But then I got to thinking, the reason it's going to feel like that is because not everyone's going to polyamory the same. Yeah. And when you were talking about my analogy with the M&Ms, it clicked on me, is that we can't give definitive black and white one two three step instructions for polyamory no because it's different for everybody it's interesting that that m&m analogy brought me back to that and really it's kind of like what we're talking about with the equity the reason why we're not given definitive answers is for the same reason why we're talking about equality versus equity some people are going to take parts that they care about yeah or some people are going to enjoy the time that they need And some people are not. And maybe you just like listening to the episode because we're kind of goofy and silly and we're just ourselves. And maybe you're monogamous and you don't really give a shit about the poly advice we have. But you enjoy the hour-long conversations. (laughs) And that's the color of M&M that you're going to take out of this whole thing. Yep. So I guess to close all this back up, when you're dishing out the M&Ms to your partners or to your metas or whoever it is that wants your M&Ms... Make sure everyone feels like they got what they wanted. And yeah. that's really ultimately what I would see the best way to create equitable time and relationship management. I agree. Do those check-ins, communicate, and you'll go far. It'll be fine. Everything's good. All right, Pollyam fam. Enjoy spreading those M&Ms, and we will see you next Tuesday. And happy Mother's Day! Okay, bye now. Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsada. You can find our Facebook page in the links or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. 
That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepolly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam. Live like there's no tomorrow. Laugh until it hurts. And and love love without without limits. limits.